You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! My dear listeners, welcome back to the RV. On this episode, we are in Atlanta to talk with Mexican Cylinder Nilsson. She's a mom of four, daughter, wife, blogger, and according to her, she's an accidental author of two novels. So, Madkin, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I was super excited also to talk with you. Madkin, did I pronounce your name correctly? You actually did. You did a great job. It's kind of a strange name if you live anywhere outside of Scandinavia, in particularly Sweden. Um, my dad is Swedish. He immigrated to the U.S. when he was about nine years old, obviously, with his parents, my grandparents and his brother. And Mikan, family lore goes, was the name of my grandmother's best friend. Who My grandmother was born in northern Sweden in 1911, and apparently her best friend's name was Mikan. So When my sister was born, my parents weren't living near my grandparents, so my mom forgot the name. So my sister got a different name. But then when I was born, they were all living closer together, and she remembered the name, and I'm the one who got the name that is is very different. Um, it's pronounced Mikan, even though it's spelled M-A-J-K-E-N, and that's because in Swedish, the I, the letter I, makes an I sound. So for a long I sound, they had to come up with a different combination, and they chose A-J. So... That's why it looks strange, but it's pronounced Mikan. Yeah, but it's beautiful. I like this name. Thank you. I do too. I love it. It's very unique. Um, a lot of people get worried that they must pronounce it. I can say that nobody ever needs to worry because I have had it pronounced in just about every conceivable way possible. I don't get offended. I realize it's a very unique name. Mm -hmm. And the funniest thing ever is that it's a very old name. And so when I was an exchange student in Sweden, when I went after high school, I was so excited because I was thinking, yay, people will be able to say my name and younger people didn't know how to say oh. my name either. And, but now Sweden is kind of doing this trend where they're going back to older names and it's actually coming back into fashion. So my mother-in-law likes to clip out like baptism notifications in the newspapers and things and send them to me because she thinks it's funny that now Mikan is becoming more of a popular name. It's still not super popular, but at least it's not like unheard of anymore. It's becoming popular. Yeah. Yeah, maybe with my books, it'll become really popular. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And do you speak Swedish? Yes, I do. Fairly decently, I guess. I, I, I'm fluent, I guess. Uh, writing is definitely a little hard for me still, like word order, that kind of thing. But my husband says I do fairly well. And I guess he'd tell me, I would hope, if I didn't. And most people 
are very confused because I have kind of a mishmashed accent because my grandparents came from northern Sweden and then lived in Göteborg, which is in western Sweden. And then my husband is from uh, Stockholm area, and that's where I was an exchange student. So I have kind of this garbled accent. And so people on the west coast of Sweden think I'm from Stockholm area, and people on the east coast think I come from this little this little island called Olam. And then a lot of people are still kind of confused, and they ask where I come from, and I say Nevada, and they go, what? Because <laughs> they're like, America is not where we thought you would come from. So I guess I, I speak well enough that I can make myself understood, which is always the goal, right? Yes. So. And you are a mom of four children and you must be always busy. So when you are not busy, what do you like to do in your spare time? <laughs> well, spare time is not one of those things I have a lot of, honestly. Um, I do kind of have forced downtime though. Uh, unfortunately, I have some health issues. Um, and so part of my routine is I have to wear this vest that shakes my lungs every night and I use a nebulizer for medications into my lungs. And the vest is kind of cumbersome. It's heavy. It makes a lot of noise. So it's not really, even though I have one now that's cordless, when I first started writing, it wasn't cordless. So I was literally like tied to a machine. Um, it's still not like great to walk around in. So I can't really watch TV. I can't really hold a conversation or anything else. So I just started writing during that time. I didn't start out writing at that time. That's not kind of what made me start writing, but I figured that was kind of the forced downtime where I didn't really have the ability to do anything else. I'm not crafty. I can't crochet or knit or sew or anything like that. So it kind of worked out for me. And the great thing is, is that usually, at least when I wrote the, when I wrote my last three books, um, my kids would go to bed fairly early for school, et cetera. So I would kind of have that time where finally it was quiet. Everybody was down and I was alone. Now that my kids have gotten a little older, they stay up a little later. <laughs> so sometimes that doesn't work out so well, but it was always great because that therapy session took about an hour. And then I could always choose to continue if I wanted to, if I was on a great train of thought, or if I was done, I was like, okay, I wrote for an hour. I'm done. I'm good. So it was, it was kind of, forced spare time, I guess, in which I chose to do something I enjoy rather than just sit and stare at the wall. So I guess that was good. But <laughs> other than that, we like to eat a lot at our house. We like to cook. Um, my daughter and I are unfortunately, one daughter and I are unfortunately gluten-free now for health reasons. And so that's been an adjustment. So learning how to bake and cook more gluten-free has definitely been challenging. Um, and other than that, I I, I read. <laughs> yeah, I was checking your blog and I found a post about gluten-free recipes. Yes. Yes. We're kind of slowly, you know, adjusting. And if my daughter was diagnosed first and then I was diagnosed after her. So I kind of had some practice with her. But then by the time it was two of us, it was like, okay, it's getting a little expensive to buy everything pre-made. I think I probably better figure out how to actually make bread and, and make cookies and make those things that we would like that cost a lot when you're gluten-free. So um, yeah, we're, we're slowly making adjustments, but, but it's good. And, and everybody else is kind of getting on the gluten-free train with us because sometimes it's just easier to make one meal. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of a mishmash at our house, but yeah, cooking, writing, reading I guess that's probably about it hanging out with friends I like to go out to lunch with friends and that kind of thing but yeah it's a good way to spend the free time it really is it really is it's a great reset for as a mom 
and I usually meet other moms for lunch. It's, you know, we're usually our children are at school, so it's a little freeing and we're allowed to kind of get that reset recharge that we need, jump back in and do homework and dinner and all of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mike, why are you in Atlanta? I'm so curious about it because you are originally from Nevada and Sweden, Stockholm, everything like this. And now you are in Atlanta. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. Um, well, my husband is also from Sweden. We met when I was an exchange student there. And then um, we kind of went our separate ways for a little while and then came back together, got married. And uh, we both attended the U University of Nevada, Reno. I was born and raised in a small town called Fallon, which um, it's about 60 miles or about 100 kilometers away from Reno. Um, its biggest claim to fame is that we have the Naval Air Station that has the Top Gun fly flight school there. So um, I grew up in a military town. And I guess then we attended University of Nevada, Reno, we had our children and my husband was working for a major US corporation that actually was eliminating jobs in Reno. And so we were offered certain places to go and we chose Atlanta thinking, you know, that would be great. It's close to one of my best friends who lives in South Carolina, we'd never been here, we thought, okay, my husband had actually been here for some training and thought it was nice. So we thought, okay, we'll go to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So we pack up the moving van and four kids and two dogs and, you know, the whole rigmarole and we drive across country and my husband worked at that job for about nine months and then was informed that, oh, we're getting rid of the division throughout the whole company. So you're going to be without a job. Wow. And so, yeah, it was a little scary. We had four children and, and unfortunately, because of my health issues, I don't work. So it was a little scary and no, a lot scary, actually. And uh, so we definitely discovered that old adage about it's not what you know, it's who you know, and we knew no one. We had only lived here for less than a year, so we really didn't know that many people. So it took a while for my husband to find his groove. He he did all kinds of things from, you know, we worked temp jobs. He um, had a few positions that just weren't really great fits for him, and he even drove Uber for a while. He went and got his CDL, even though he has his his uh, bachelor's degree and speaks three languages and all of that, he was like, I'm going to go get something that I can always find a job in. And then he fell into the current position he is in and loves it. So thankfully, the stress debated life is better. Um, but yeah, that was definitely an adventure. And that's how we ended up in Atlanta. So and that's how I ended up writing, actually. Um, it was a very stressful period. And one day I was just in the shower, it was like a gloomy January day. And I had this idea pop into my head and I ran down the stairs of my towel and started writing and wrote out about a page and a half before I'm like, I'm cold and I think I need to stop. And then I just discovered that it was a really great way for me to relax and, and not just relax, but to escape. Um, I like to read romantic escapism. I like to get really involved with the characters in the books. Um, some of my favorite authors are like Philippa Gregory, um, Susan Isaac, some of these great great authors that do wonderful character development. So you feel right like you're in the story with them. And so that's what I tried to write and create. And I, it really was escapism for me to write that. And it was very stress relieving. So um, as I said, I kind of fell into being an accidental author. I never had aspirations to write a book. I mean, maybe when I was like 12 and in seventh grade, but, but like as an adult, that was never even on the radar. I never knew I had it in me. And it just kept pouring out and pouring out. And the great thing is, is that I didn't have any real 
like plan. I just wrote what came out. And sometimes it wasn't even like it was from me. Uh, sometimes I was as shocked as <laughs> I uh-huh. think anybody would be. I didn't storyboard. I didn't plan. I didn't do an image board, nothing. I just wrote as it came to me. So I still don't know what dark recesses of my brain that was living in, but <laughs> three books later, and I have two more on, on the back burner. So, you know, it, it definitely was a coping mechanism to deal with all the stress. Yeah. Like it was a very good way to escape. Absolutely. Also, I believe it comes from your subconscious. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's like, I think there's parts of our brains that we don't even really know how to activate yet, honestly. <laughs> uh, just dealing with special needs children that we have and, and doing research and that kind of thing. It, it's The brain is so incredibly complicated. And I don't think we know nearly as much as we are going to in, in, discover in the next, you know, 100 years, years. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot more to it than we ever would have imagined. I agree with you. We don't know anything about the brain. Can you tell us what is the story behind your book, A Good Kind of Crazy? And also, what is the significance of the title? Well, again, that just kind of came to me. A Good Kind of Crazy kind of came to me, the name. Um, It's actually a line in the book. Uh, The plot of the story is that uh, Kat is a woman who lives in the Atlanta area, metro Atlanta area, who it's around her 43rd birthday. And she discovers that her husband of many years is cheating on her and um, came kind of came as quite a shock. But she was already struggling. Her kids had finished school. She had two in college and one that uh, was finishing up high school. She was kind of struggling with that emptiness syndrome that we all hear about some moms go through. And and so she was already dealing with that. And what, where's my place in the world now? This is what I focused on for 20 something years, 23 years. And now what do I do with my life? And, and then this bombshell of her husband cheating on her with a coworker comes to light. Mm-hmm. So her best friend from childhood, uh, she had started a catering business with her when they were in Atlanta and the friend decided that she wanted to try her luck in Hollywood. So she moved out to Hollywood and Kat stayed in Atlanta and raised her family, et cetera. So when all of this comes crashing down around her, she drives to Jen in Los Angeles. And then Jen has a job in the mountains of Canada, Calgary, around the Calgary area for catering a television show. And just kind of the story of how that ensues. And she meets the lead actor of the show and kind of how their relationship develops. And the line of good kind of crazy is things are moving kind of fast with her in this romance. And she asks her friend, Jen, am I crazy? And her friend Jen says, yes, you are, but there's good kinds of crazy too. Uh And so when I was thinking of a name that just popped into my head about a good kind of crazy, um, because I think all of us have these moments in our lives where we do something completely out of character and everybody's going like, what are you doing? And that might not be such a good idea. And like, we kind of like, no holds barred. Like I'm done. I'm just going to try something different and it works out. So sometimes we can act crazy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad crazy. Sometimes we need to step out of that box and it's a good thing. So, so that was a good kind of crazy. My beta readers really liked the plot of the television show inside of a good kind of crazy. There is a television show called Western Skies. That is the name of the television show that is being filmed. And so Kat is on set of that show. 
So a lot of my beta readers were like, I really like the characters of Sarah and Joe inside of the Western Skies TV show. So could you please write their story? And so that's how Western Skies was born. Uh, Western Skies is basically the historical fiction romance story of Sarah and Joe, who are the main characters in the TV show. So it's kind of a prequel, but it was written after. So sort of a sequel, but in two different time periods. And so I don't really even know how to explain it, but they are tied together. <laughs> wow, that's so incredible. So I was thinking maybe it's a sequel, but it's kind of a sequel. Yeah, it's more like a prequel, I guess. It's kind of like the Star Wars movies, you know, where they <laughs> the, the earlier ones I'm like that yeah I, I, I'm following Star Wars's lead sure that works um, so obviously Western Skies is written in the 1890s in Colorado which is actually where Western Skies the tv show is supposed to be set but they're filming in Canada as many tv shows that are supposed to be set in America do now um anyway that that is the story um my publisher, Solstice Publishing, is a great small indie press. They're wonderful to work with. And in their contract, they write that if you write anything that is tied to the first book that they pick up, they want first dibs. And so I was really grateful and blessed that they liked Western Skies as well. So they've both been published by uh, Solstice Publishing. And then there are audiobooks as well in ebook format. Um, Solstice Publishing primarily is an ebook publisher, but they do do print copy as well. Um, Ebooks are kind of where it's at right now. A lot of people prefer to read that way or listen to audiobooks. So my best friend, who's a librarian, she always says this. She's one of my beta readers. Too. She said, you know, the great thing about ebooks now is nobody can tell what you're reading. Like before they could tell by the cover if you were reading some bodice ripper or something. But now nobody can tell. So people can read whatever they want. And I think it's kind of true. <laughs> so um, I used to go to the beach and I was seeing what people want what it reads yeah. right uh, right and some of the covers are like oh I know what kind of book that is so <laughs> now that's all gone the mystery is all gone or or the mystery is there I guess the the uh, prevalence is all gone but yes so then in between a good kind of crazy and western skies I actually wrote a third uh well in publishing order, it will be a third book. It was my second book written. That one is not tied to either book. That one is also a historical fiction that revolves around the Comstock Load era of Nevada, where I'm from. Uh, very near and dear to my heart. I love that book. I am in the process now of getting it polished up and putting it out for publication to see if a literary agent wants to represent me or if uh, an, a publisher wants to pick it up. Who knows? Maybe Solstice will want that one too. I don't know. You published A Good Kind of Crazy and A Twist of Fate. Uh, the, the two that are published right now are A Good Kind of Crazy and Western Skies. Okay, so the third one will be? A, a Twist of Fate. And that one is not, that's the one that I'm seeking publication on now. So that will be coming up hopefully fairly shortly. I just need to, you know, COVID, COVID disrupted everything for everyone all over the world. And I think we're all just trying to find our place, mm. you know, best laid plans and all of that stuff. Sometimes things have to be put on the back burner to deal with other things like online school and kids home and working from home and all of those other things that everybody's had to kind of readjust to abruptly. So we're, you know, we now, now like normalizing a little bit again. And so I'm, back to doing a little bit more for me than just keeping everybody else afloat. Awesome. This is, this is a good thing that you are doing. And I asked you if you had to describe yourself in three words, what they would be. And you said tenacious, 
inquisitive and grateful. But I want to add one more. I want to add brave because you accomplished a lot in spite of the challenges that you have making. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think like everybody else, all we can do is the best we can do. We get up every day and be the best person we know how to be. And that's all we can do. We can't ask for more than, than what we can give, you know, and I have been very blessed in the fact that I've taken some chances. I've done some things that could be construed as crazy and they have been good. They have been good kinds of crazy. Thankfully, there's been a few bad kinds of crazy too. in there, I'm not going to lie. You know, not all my choices have been stellar, but for the most part, I am very grateful for the fact that, you know, I, I had the confidence and the wherewithal to take a leap. And I realized that I'm very privileged in that fact that I, I had a good safety net. Mm-hmm. You know, there definitely is a lot of, over the last year and a half, just societal, just in society alone, I've been able to look and, and see a lot of those areas where I have been very privileged to have, you know, helpful family and understanding family and good friends and supportive people in my life that have allowed me to kind of be able to spread my wings in a way that not a lot of other people have been. So I'm very grateful. Yes. And I think that gratitude is such a powerful practice. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's much easier to be grateful. It's less, it's a lot less energy dependent than being angry or spiteful or mean. Um, being grateful allows you to stick your head up and realize that, okay, maybe your life isn't, you know, maybe you're not on par with some of the richest people in the world and you don't have your own private plane and three houses and all of this stuff. But, you know, what you do have is pretty spectacular. And I also think it's very important to acknowledge the people around you that have made that possible as well. I mean, I, I really didn't understand until about the last year and a half or so about how, how much sacrifice, I mean, I, I knew, but I didn't understand how much sacrifice, like my grandparents giving up everything that they knew to immigrate to a new country. My other grandfather fought first, fought in World War II as a pilot. And first he fought for the RAF before the U.S. joined. And then he flew for the U.S. Air Corps. And he and my grandma gave up years of their lives to do that. And you know, just all of the the sacrifices that people have made up to this point that have allowed me to be the person I am. And I realize that I am confident and I am strong because I've been able to be that way. I haven't had to work so hard because other people before me did a lot of the work. And so I, it it definitely is an eye-opening experience, an aha moment to quote Oprah, when you realize that, you know, a lot of people before you paved your way. Yeah. I would like you if you feel like to share something your readers wouldn't know about you, you can choose one of them. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. Um, well, <laughs> to tie into a good kind of crazy, um, a few years ago, my husband and I met a mom who uh, had had a bad car accident and um, had missed some work and lost her job. And she and her children subsequently after a series of unfortunate events ended up living in their car and we met them and they were wonderful people. It was just, you know, life can throw some real curveballs sometimes. And again, if you don't have that support network under you, things can get real bad real fast. So 
great, great grammar there. Really bad, really quickly. How's that? (laughs) But the son was in high school. The daughter was young. They needed some help. And my husband and I felt very impressed upon to help them. Um, We helped, uh, we did a GoFundMe and got them a car. It wasn't a great car because, you know, unfortunately, eventually the car they were in, even they lost that because there was no income. So we got together and through the generosity of a lot of friends, we were able to collect enough to get them a car. I mean, it wasn't a stellar car, but it was transportation. And we really wanted the son to continue to go to high school. So we figured out a way to get him to school and get him home and get him to jobs. And they were, they stayed with us for a while and they stayed with another friend who was very generous and opened up her home as well. Um, And then we were able to get them into an apartment. I mean, again, not great, but better than nothing. And you know, it, 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 now they're doing great. The son's graduated from high school. He's in the military. He's doing wonderfully well. And the, the daughter is like, I think, I think she's in her last year of elementary school. She's doing really well. Mom's working, you know, are they exactly where they want to be? No, but they're doing really well. And it was just great for me to be able to witness again, when we boost other people up, when we help other people, when they're down, it's, being down on your luck isn't necessarily your fault. It's not necessarily something you did. It's, you know, I, I think, in, especially in America, we kind of have this ideology that if you're homeless, that you've done something wrong, like you're an addict or you're unemployable, or, you know, there's always kind of this ideology behind it about that there's something inherently wrong with someone. And that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it's just a series of unfortunate events without that background, without that safety net to catch you. And when somebody has that safety net under them, they're able to kind of bounce back and, and get their feet back under them again and, and start their journey. And, and so I think that was really surprising to me, my friend, one of my good friends who kind of helped me with all, well, didn't kind of, she really did help me with all of this. Um, she always says that I was the good kind of crazy because she's like, not very many people would have done that, but I couldn't not do it. I felt very compelled to do it. I very called to do it. Um, and it was an honor to do it. So again, a, a good kind of crazy, I guess that would be, <laughs> that was one of my good kind of crazies that maybe could have ended very differently than it did, but thankfully it ended really well. And I'm super proud of them. They are, you know, it just goes to show that every once in a while we stumble. And when we have people behind us that can help us just even, you know, get our foot in the right place again, we can then lift ourselves up. So it was definitely a good lesson. Wow. And it was, again, from the gratitude we had, gratitude we have for receiving all we received when my husband was unemployed or underemployed. I mean, we had a lot of people just, you know, we had people ringing our door doorbell and dropping off a thousand dollars, or we had people like our stove broke and somebody had a stove delivered to us. Um, we needed tires. Another person donated tires to us. So, you know, what goes around comes around and you have to pay it forward. So that was kind of our opportunity to be able to pay it forward because of the generosity of other people for us. We were able then to do it for somebody else in the way we could. I believe that when you help others, you are helping yourself as well. Yes. Not that I'm helping because I want to receive something, but I think it's inside. Right. It feels good to be able to give back. It does feel good to be able, especially for us when we were in that situation where for so long, even now, I mean, we're still kind of playing catch up from all of that. We can't really help out monetarily with things as much as we would like to. What we do instead is, you know, when we donate, we can donate our time and service. And again, it's just, 
it's a way we can give back for everything that people have given us. So it's just a paying it forward situation. And it does feel good to be able to, to give and not just receive. It really does feel good. Yes, it's super important to do these kind of things. And Mike, and where can our listeners find you and your books? Oh, sure. Uh, well, we're on Amazon. Well, you can find the audiobook, the ebook, and the print versions on Amazon. That's a good kind of crazy in Western skies. I'm available on several other retailers in the US, like walmart.com, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, I think has a good kind of crazy on it. I haven't looked very recently, but those are definitely the areas. I'm on Goodreads. I am as I'm represented as an author on Goodreads. I have Instagram, TikTok, although TikTok, I'm I'm feeling my age with TikTok. I don't really know what I'm doing on TikTok, <laughs> but I do have one. It's not a great one, but I am on TikTok. Um, I have uh, a website. It's Mike and Cylinder Nilsson Books. Mm -hmm. And I have a blog, Mike and Cylinder Nilsson Writes uh, WordPress.com. And, you know, obviously I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all of those as well. I do have a Twitter account uh, as well. I'm feeling my age on Twitter. I'm at, as well as on TikTok. Those two are not particularly my forte, but I do try to make a showing. <laughs> so, so we can find you easily. You can. And that is the one really great benefit of having a very crazily unique name is that when you Google me, I come up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know what? If you get the spelling right, you're golden because because I come up pretty much right away. So, um, but I love to hear from people. So if people want to DM me or, uh, you know, interact with me on social media, I love that. It's great. I love to hear from people who read, read the books, um, reviews, everybody loves reviews. I will tell you a secret about authors. Reviews are golden. We really like those because that helps boost our, our viewability, I guess. So go ahead and interact with authors. We like it. I always tell my listeners, please, please leave reviews. We need reviews. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's good feedback for us. And it's also, you know, I really enjoy it when, when my readers take the time to interact on my social media posts. I feel grateful that they've taken time out of their day to comment on my, my posts and, and, and make comments about what they like about what I did or didn't like what I did, I guess. I mean, nobody likes criticism, but I mean, constructive criticism is, is never fun to hear, but necessary in life, unfortunately. So, mm -hmm. so Mike, it was very good to meet you here. Um, I hope you can come back someday with your third book and keep doing what you're doing. And yeah, it's, you are an inspiration because you didn't give up. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's, you know, tough times come for everybody. And just when they come is, is the unknown. Nobody gets out of here unscathed. So the better we can be to each other and the more we can help, the better off we'll all be in the long run. Yeah. So Thank yeah. you. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak with you. It was very nice to meet you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating 
does. Until next time.